Hey guys, what's up? Scott here from scottsbasselessness.com and I am back with another episode of the SBL podcast. This week we've got the awesome TJ Collioso with us who is an, he's a bass player with the up-and-coming Ezra Collective, an award-winning band from London and who won the Yamaha Jazz Experience competition back in 2012. Since then they've gone on to support artists like Terence Blanchard at the London Jazz Festival as well as headline their own gigs up and down the UK and across Europe as well, including shows at the, the one and only Ronnie Scott's down in London. Now these guys are really Really, really pushing the boundaries of live music and TJ is absolutely killing it on the bass. You've got to check them out if you haven't already. And here in this podcast, he brings us up to speed on the band's EP launch party that's happening on November the 19th at the Islington Assembly Hall in London and lots more besides. So on that note, I'm handing over to Nick and TJ Collioso. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the SBL podcast. We've got TJ Collioso with us today from the Ezra Collective in London. Um, the Ezra Collective are this wicked new up and coming jazz kind of Afrobeat band who have been going from strength to strength lately. We saw a wicked um, video on YouTube this morning, um, TJ, about uh, the Ronnie Scott's yeah. gig. Um, yeah. Loving that. You guys sounded amazing. Sick, thank you, man. Yeah, it was a great time. It was a really good gig. So. Yeah, tell us about the gig, mate. It looks amazing. It looks really cool. Yeah, I mean, it's quite funny because I think we'd done, like, a support gig at Ronnie Scott's, like, early, early in the day. It was, like, a, a prize for one of our, for winning some award. And, um, yeah, we just kind of said, yeah, one day we'll do the we'll do the headline slot. And then out of the blue came an email. And, um, yeah, it was just a surreal day, man. Just everyone was feeling it. We got everyone up and dancing by the end, so... Yeah, dope. And that's what you guys are about, really, aren't you? Loads of energy and just getting the crowd going. Yeah, yeah, that's essentially what, what we do the music for, just to get people. You know, we always say that we want that hour, hour and a half to allow people to forget about the terrible week that they've had. To, you know, just for that moment in time to get in their feelings a little bit, dance a little bit, whatever. So, yeah, that's, that's why we do it, I think. So how would you describe the band? I mean, Ronnie Scott's is a typical jazz club. Is a typical jazz club. Yeah. The band has got so many influences, right? Yeah, that's what I love about it. Because I mean, there's guys in there that play like, you know, that they, they grew up on more jazz stuff. Um, I was, I'm not like that. My parents listened to. I grew up on gospel and Felakuti records. So you know, and and I grew up on grime as well. And Femi on drums is exactly the same. Joe's influenced by reggae and things like that. But so all of our influences come together, but it's really tied together with jazz because that's where we learn. That's where we learn our technique. That's where we learn our craft. So, yeah, I'll say that we're a jazz band that is just so heavily influenced by the, you know, our upbringing and our surroundings. And it just somehow works when we all come together. Hey, tell us about your upbringing then. How did you get into music in the first place? Yeah, so... Um, I started playing bass at the age of about 11, 11, 12. Um, simply just, they needed a bass player in church. And my dad just said, yeah, I'm doing a bass. I said, yeah, sure. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I just started playing mainly like church songs here and there. Never really had any like formal teaching as such. Played in school. I played in a rock band in school as well. Um, that's and I played some funk music in school as well. So basically I played gospel, rock and funk music whilst listening to hip hop and grime. It was a bit strange. 
But then, yeah, w- my brother has been playing drums since he was like four or something silly like that. And so he was pretty much my main musical influence. He knew all the jazz guys. He, he, you know, he, he kept telling me bass players to check out and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, that's that's how it all started. Then we went to Tomorrow's Warriors, a jazz organization in London. That's where I started learning a bit more jazz, playing a bit more, you know, Afrobeat and reggae and stuff like that. And yeah, here I am today. <laughs> so, what kind of bass players were you checking out? What was on your brother's recommendation list? Yeah, so. Um, initially the bass players are checking out the gospel guys like um you know uh israel on a, a dude called israel he plays for ron Connolly. he's like he was like the guy in um in gospel bass playing um but beyond that it was like flea and people that you know like the kind of obvious ones yeah um that's who i grew up who that's what i started listening to essentially at the start and then um i think my brother probably introduced me to charles Mingus. Um, Christian McBride, Ron Carter, uh, all of those double bass guys, which kind of blew my mind a little bit. I didn't really know anything about double bass, and um, yeah, then I just I just started getting onto you know uh, some of the stuff that Michael Jackson did through Off the Wall. So um, people like Bobby Watson, yeah, probably like it's probably my main my, the Off the Wall record is probably the biggest influence on my bass playing. Um. At a young, at, you know, that stuff, 16, 17 year old uh, age. Um, and then, yeah, Fela Kuti as well, his bassist, who's an unsung hero. Absolutely. No, everyone yeah. gives credit to, everyone gives credit to Fela and Tony Allen, but um, what's his name? Nueke uh, Atifo uh, mm-hmm. is his name. Uh, dope. So underestimated, underrated. Like, just simple groove playing, holding a groove for 22 minutes and not shaking. Is... Well, he had quite a hard time, didn't he? Because he was told, yeah. do not move off this groove, man. Just keep... Yeah. It yeah, but... the song's like... five minutes or like half an hour. Yeah, yeah. It's like, bro, sit on the groove. But you could hear, like, he was so there. Yeah. And it's, it's the rock, you know, it's the rock. And I think if you listen to to me as a bass player, it's probably, probably similar in bits. I have... I absolutely love just holding a bassline. Like, sounds weird, but I could sit on the same bassline all day <laughs> and just 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 sit there and just be a little bit reactive with the drummer or or, or, or the keys player or whatever. But yeah, man, dope bass playing. It's underrated. <laughs> How can you kind of just like you said react a little bit or throw a little mm. bit of phrasing in from now and then when the bassline is so kind of syncopated and quite like a vamp, really, isn't it? Mm. yeah so it's all all about that relationship you know how you get to the relationship between the drummer and the bassist is so important and this this this. oh i've had the privilege of having my brother play drums with me since i started playing bass and he's in my band playing together in church so um i learned straight away i think he's probably he's probably my biggest bass teacher if that makes sense yeah he still is because we just, we'll, we'll be jamming or whatever when we're practicing at home and it's just like we used to practice by just sitting on a groove for like a couple hours something simple he's like much better than me so I'll play something simple and he would just be playing <laughs> and then I'll just start to like clock little nuances that he'll play or little things that he'll do and I think yeah he's gonna put a, a little stop in there he's gonna go a bit louder at this point he's gonna start hitting triplets at this point and it's just 
you know, when I'm when you're so in sync with your drummer like that, then it's becomes second nature. You can hold the bass line for the whole time, but then when you do a little something, you're there with them. It's not like reacting to them. It's almost like it's kind of telepathic, right? Yeah, it's like it's all yeah, they say telepathic, but just playing with them for so long and then it's like, yeah, we know what we're gonna do before we do it. And it's yeah, I love all that stuff, man. And do the other guys in the band know when you're doing it? Or is it just kind of a platform that you give them anyway? Um, yeah, they do now. Pretty sure they they're, they're pretty. Yeah, at the start, it was like, you know, how how do you guys do this type thing? Um, that's what a lot of people kind of say. Like, how do you just know to stop randomly in the middle of like a bar? And then they've we've been playing with each other for so long. We kind of took that technique of just sitting on a groove for like half an hour, an hour, and that's how we practice half of our songs. Like just sitting on it for like ages, and then everyone else starts to jump on it. Everyone else starts to like realize what we're going to do, how we're going to do it and stuff like that. It's just developing with each other and really being a band. If that makes sense. Not yeah. just, you know, session musicians strung together, really being a band. And um, so now, yeah, you'll hear when we play, when Joe does something, half the time, you know, Dylan on trumpet will, will match him straight away or Femi will match him straight away. Or, you know, it's great, man. It's, it's how band playing should be really in my opinion and what differences are there when you're writing material as to just jamming stuff live or practicing stuff is it the same kind of approach yeah it's crazy we wrote a song yesterday and um we, we there's no charts there's no no nothing normally how it works is like if Femi gets a song he'll beatbox the idea into his voice memos play it to us and He's good at writing bass lines and drum patterns. Not so good with chords. Joe will just... So we'll start playing whatever. Then the keyboard player will be, yeah, cool. Start vamping whatever he wants over the top of it. We'll stop for a bit, talk about it. The horn guys will come up with a little melody line or whatever. And it's just literally a jam literally a jam session. That's what it was yesterday. We just, we just literally worked our way through, poured a little bit, talked about it, continued... By the end, we had like a pretty decent tune, and that's how I think all of our songs have been written. And how so. how much do you stick to that when you do a gig, or is there room for improvisations? Yeah, there's there's plenty of room for improvisation. I mean, um, who steers that on the gig? Uh, what in terms of the structure of the song, or yeah. like, um, so I think probably Femi, um, on the drums is because he's. He's like really Mr. Ezra, if that makes sense. Sure. Like, um, he's, he's the band leader essentially, um, and it's it's because our, our music is quite drum led a lot of the time. There's been times where you know he would just shout from his drum kit, yeah, uh, heart, like he would just shout, "We're going into reggae." That's that. Now we're playing <laughs> the reggae. You know what I mean? But then there's other times where, like, there's one song we play, um, uh, "Enter the Jungle," where. One day we were playing it, we are playing it, and the little drum beat that Femi played reminded me of a grime tune that we used to listen to back in the day. So I started playing the bass line from the grime tune, and then Joe realised what I was playing, and straight away he started playing that tune. So it's like, mate, anything can happen. On the gig day, anything can happen, and anyone could do it. you just got to be on the ball. Yeah. How about your bass sound? What is mm. How do you approach that? It's quite, you know, all the, this kind of music is quite, it depends on the mix, but quite a round, warm kind of tone to it, right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
see, I was never a bassist that was like, but you know those bassists that were always fiddling with the amps and you know they got all the pedals and stuff. I was never that person because um, there was one dude at uh, one music teacher at school. He said, "You get all the sound out of your fingers. It's not about the amp." That's like one of the few things I remember him telling me. So I thought, right, which bassist do I like the sound of? Do I actually like like listening to? And like it was Pino, James Jameson, you know those guys. It wasn't like it wasn't really the slap kind of guys. It was more like the Motown, neo soul type players. I loved that kind of sound. Um, and so yeah, just from that, I just started. I don't play high up on the on the neck too much. Just pretty pretty central. Um, always keep my fingernails nice and short, <laughs> and just try and get as as much of a fleshy sound as possible. Um, probably had my bass turned up a little bit, treble down a tiny bit, and yeah, that's so. My main influence is literally Pino and um, and James Jameson when it comes to that kind of sound, which I think works well when in Afrobeat and stuff like that. It's just it's a nice place to move off of. Yeah, I mean. it really fits, doesn't it? I saw you playing a Warwick mm-hmm. bass, and I've seen you playing Defender Jazz yeah. as well, right? Yeah, yeah, they're both good weapons, yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, it's annoying. I'm a left-handed bassist, which posed... Restricts you a little bit, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bit annoying because, like, yeah, you go into a bass shop and it's like, it's like one little, <laughs> one little stage beat bass yeah. in the corner for you. But, <laughs> yeah, I, I got my Fender Jazz a few years ago. That was, like, the step up from, you know, my 90-pound bass that I had for years. And then... um. Yeah, man, I loved it. I actually loved it. But then last year, the time came for an upgrade, man. And um, yeah, Warwick, it's the Babinga Wood five string. It's just sick. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's really heavy, though. Really heavy, but good sound, good tone all the way through. Um, enough options in terms of tonality and like, yeah, man, perfect. Perfect for me right now. Awesome, man. So tell us about the um, EP you've got coming up. Yeah, so Ezra Collective, our upcoming EP called um, Juan Pablo the Philosopher. It's coming out. Cool the EP will come out September. Time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. You can blame my brother for that one. It's, <laughs> it's, I like it. <laughs> but um, yeah, man, I think it's dope. Um, yeah, so end of September it will be out. Um, all I think we've got. We're doing a remake of one song, "Space Is the Place." It's a Sun Ra tune. Um, the rest are originals and yeah no no features um, like on chapter 7 we had a rapper and a single on this one it's it's just the Ezraelites so um, yeah I've, I've I've listened to the mastered tracks so far and it's sounding pretty cool so Great, yeah I'm excited where really you, excited where did you record? that was uh, Abbey Road Abbey Road Studios again. Yeah, Abbey Road wow what was that like? Yeah. It's amazing, man. There's like so much history, and yeah. get the feeling as soon as you walk in that it's not just like a, a normal studio, you know. Um, and the dudes that we work with down there are just so blessed. They know the music. They've come to watch us like so many times. So it's like when it comes to them making suggestions, and just, they just know exactly what we're going for already. And yeah, man, it's it's I'm, you know, I'm privileged to say that we've recorded Abbey Road twice now. So yeah. How did it work when you were in the studio? Did you go in with a set plan and stick to it, or did much change while you were in there? 
Um, yeah, so the way we do it, uh, a lot of our stuff, we gig a lot of our tunes like for a not well for a good amount of time before we even think about recording them, just because we uh, the, the tune develops so much week on week on week, um, and then so we kind of sat down and said, right, we need to release something soon. We put the tunes together, the ones that we wanted to record, um, the ones that we didn't want to record, we kind of just left by the side, and then yeah, we just went in. Again, one I think we had one day in the studio and then one day for like re-recording one tune. And um yeah, just went through them. Literally. We knew what we we're gonna go for. We have a long rehearsal like a couple of days before. That's that. A bit different from chapter seven. Chapter seven we did all in one night. Um we did in uh, I think it was about four hours. We did the five tracks. Wow. I think it was one take for I think we did one take for three of the tracks, two takes for two of them. With this one, it was a bit different. We did a few more takes, trying to get it a bit cleaner. But yeah, still good. Still. And you're doing all this. Yeah, I kind of like it. Doing all this independently, right? Yeah, independent to the team, man. It's 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 great. I love it personally because it's like I'm so involved with everything that goes on. Yeah. It's really tiring and hard work. But um, you know, in terms of like design and all like aspects like that, I do all the design for Ezra. So like the chapter seven cover was me, the logo, all of that stuff has to be me. All of our admin stuff has to be Femi. All of our social media stuff has to be Joe. And it's just like when you really grind and hustle for something and then you start seeing it come to fruition, um, yeah, it's such a good feeling, man. Such a good feeling. So yeah, independent for, for now anyway. <laughs> Are there any other bands or musicians that you kind of look up to at this point in terms of a bit of guidance or just to get some ideas about how to approach the industry as an independent act? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I've got like, you know, Bing from Moses. Right. Yeah. Um, they're like, we, we kind of like all grew up in music with each other, if that makes sense, um, through Tomorrow's Warriors and stuff. Yeah. So there's been many a time when, you know, we've just sat down with, with those guys, Theon Cross as well, um, and just reasoned, like just chatted about the music industry because they're like uh, almost like a couple years ahead of us. Sure. Um, so it's like all the stuff that, you know, all the people that have snaked them or the lessons that they've learned, it's like they let us know and just give us real guidance in that sense. So I love those guys, man. They're dope. And, um, you know, we've got the, the older guys like Gary Crosby, um, great bassist, just taught us a lot of, no, I haven't seen him in a while but he taught us a lot about just yeah about about why we do the music I think about why we do the music and then um yeah there's there's I just really into the UK scene at the moment man in terms of jazz like I, li- I like what Nobaya's doing Triforce um where Pathways meet all of these people they're all they're all sick man they're all sick and all doing their thing so yeah they're the, they're the they're the they're the main people I look around to, and then obviously look up to Theon, Beyond, uh, Binkar, Moses, Shabaka Hutchins, obviously, all of those guys. So yeah. And are you looking at any further afield than that in terms of the rest of the world? I know social media these days mm. gives you lots of options to reach yeah. a lot further than you could have done in the past. But what's the plan? Is there a plan, or to see what happens? The plan: world domination. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, for, well, I think strangely enough if you look at someone like like bbng or thundercat 
or Kamasi Washington, mm-hmm. you see some, you see people that have taken jazz, done their own thing with it, and in their own individual way made made it blow. And um, I think it gets talking with my friends because you know I'm from I'm from Enfield. I'm from you know and my friends don't listen to jazz. They don't. They just don't. But whenever they come out to see us play they're like oh I really enjoyed that I just didn't think jazz would be like this so I think my our main aim is just to kind of get rid of that stigma that jazz has about you know you know we've all been to the jazz club and seen you know four guys on stage you know having a bit of an an egotistical play yeah and it's just not really fun for for anyone you know what I mean especially people like me that grew up not listening to that stuff so I think the plan really is to do what those guys have done, make it our own, make it our own thing, which is what we're doing, essentially. Make it a, a time where people can come through and dance, make it a time where people can come through and cry. And yeah, hopefully people feel it. And if we can get to those heights and more, then I'm welcoming that for sure. <laughs> Man, I think you're doing a great job. It's yeah, definitely cheers. a band to look out for, guys. The Ezra Collective just yeah just go and see the man get on youtube and check out the ronnie scott's channel where there's a live stream of the gig they did there it's just really killer um and yeah you've got the album launch coming out in november 19th is that right? yeah november 19th in islington assembly hall check that invite your friends buy a ticket it's gonna be yeah we've got coco roco supporting us as well man and tristan which is gonna be awesome but um yeah it's it's going to be mad. It's going to be mad. So, yeah, definitely check that. Check it out, guys. TJ, yeah. thanks so much for hanging out with us today, man. Yeah, thank you so much, man. Pleasure. Um, thanks for hanging out, guys. We'll see you again next week. Thanks, guys. Bless. Okay, guys, thanks again for listening to this week's podcast and a huge shout-out to TJ for coming in, hanging out with Nick and sharing all of his base alicious goodness. As always, we'll be back next week with another awesome guest for you guys until then go check out scottsbassessence.com grab your 14-day free trial so you can take you know the academy for a test drive in a nutshell we are the ultimate online bass school and uh, we'd love you to be a part of what we're doing anyway take it easy and i'll see you in the shed mm-hmm.